Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, my friend, are to never give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, we are going to get into it today because if you are new on the podcast, you may not have ever heard that tithing and sowing seed money into a church ministry is a false doctrine. We, 21st century believers in Christ Jesus, are not required or commanded to give any ministry, any spiritual organization, 10% of your gross income. You are not required. And for any church to require its member to do so is a false teacher. Jesus did not send anyone to put you back up under the 613 laws of Moses since his crucifixion, Christ fulfilled the law. And that's the problem. People do not understand who the law was given to and what we now have in Christ Jesus. So, We are going to be looking at Malachi chapter 3. You want to know why Malachi chapter 3? It is because these wolves in sheep's clothing who are looking only to to depart you from your money, who want to build their empire, empires. Because folks, be not mistaken. It is that quote unquote man of God who is getting the money. The money is not going to God. It is is not going to spread the gospel. You want to know why? Because the gospel that these wolves and sheep's clothing are spreading 
is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what Paul Paul called another gospel because what they preach is that God will bless you with financial, material, tangible wealth if you bring him money. It is big business for them. It is a billion dollar racket, folks. I know, I hear it. We are required to tithe. Says who? The pastor. I bet he did. So, we are going to be looking at Malachi 3. We are going to be looking at uh, New Testament scriptures where the law is concerned. And we are going to be looking at scriptures that tells us without a shadow of a doubt that the law was given to Israel. It was never given to the Gentiles, us. It was, folks, listen. It was never given to you to keep. And I don't care how many churches, large and small, practice this false doctrine because Paul makes it clear. We are to give with a willing and cheerful heart any, any size of donation or love offering. It, it has never been instituted by Jesus that his followers give 10% of their gross income to God. Never, never. Why would Jesus, let me say it like this. Jesus will never send any messenger of his to put his people back up under the 613 laws of Moses. Amen. So if you check the playlist by the grace of God, by the grace of God and his Holy Spirit, I have done many teachings on this false doctrine. Check the playlist. You will find titles such as, do we have to keep the law, uh, tithing and the law, um, anything dealing with the exposing of false prophets and teachers, because you have to, you have to understand that tithing is one of their pet false doctrines. Oh, make no mistake. They indoctrinate us. They brainwash you to believe that in order to be a member of their church, you must also be a tither, a regular tither. And so for decades, we thought that when we come to church, it is required that we give 10%. And if you give anything less than 10%, you are made to feel ashamed. 
as if you are holding back on God. So folks, let's get into it. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we love you and we revere your holy, righteous name. Father, your word clearly states that Christ Jesus was the end to the law. Christ, our Lord and Savior, fulfilled the law of Moses. Father, there is a lot of confusion among the believers whether or not they are required to give 10% of their gross income. Father, this misinformation coming across these pulpits is running rampant throughout the body of Christ. Father, the reason why it's running rampant is because Believers are not studying to show themselves approved. They believe every word that drips from the fangs of these wolves and sheep's clothing. Father, we were all there, sitting up under false ministries. We thought this is what you wanted from us. You wanted this money so that that ministry can function, can go around the world preaching the gospel. But Father, we see they are not preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are preaching what Paul called another gospel. It is all about fame, fortune, and recognition that these so-called pastors usurp from your people. Father, I ask for wisdom today to be able to teach this lesson with, with a sound mind and clarity. May the Holy Spirit move on me. Give me Give me discernment and understanding of your word. Wash me with a fresh revelation and understanding of these scriptures. And I ask this, Father, and I bless your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Father, give me grace. Folks. We are going straight to scripture today because let us first get some clarity on the situation. The law, the 613 laws of Moses was given to Israel point blank. And then the period it was never, let me, let me bring this microphone closer to me. It was never given to Gentiles. It was only given to the children of Israel by Moses. So 
Let's go to some scriptures that back that up. Leviticus. Leviticus 26, 46 says, These are the statutes and ordinances and laws, laws, which the Lord established between himself and the sons of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai. How clear can it get to give us the biblical understanding who the law was given to and who this covenant was between. It was between the Holy One of Israel, God Almighty, and the children of Israel through Moses. Because God gave these laws to Moses to give it to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. Now, we could just leave it right there. But no, I'm going to give y'all Romans 9 verse 4. Who are Israelites to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenant, and the giving of the law, and the temple services, and the promises. So in the New Testament, Paul also tells us that the law was given to the Israelites. Deuteronomy 4.1, because you see, this is, these scriptures here are not what the false pastor will have you turn to as they have you turn to Malachi chapter 3. Because, yeah, we are going to explain in its full context Malachi chapter 3. Because the problem is you, like all of us were, we were brainwashed. We were lied to. That we were robbing God of his tithes and offerings. And that we was given a false promise. Of which was never given to us to even hold on to. And that's the mind boggling thing about this whole situation. They They were promising this promise from God. Which would never had been granted to us because it wasn't given to us. How are you going to take someone else's blessing and put it on yourself because you want it? No. And so they they twist Malachi chapter 3 with the false promise that if you stop robbing God and if you bring him your your uh tithes and offerings God gave us a challenge and a promise that test him that see won't he open up the windows of heaven and pour you 21st century believer out such a blessing you won't have room enough for it and folks we are going to see what Malachi 3 what it was all talking about because this is their number one pet 
doctrine, tithing, because without tithing, they will not be able to afford that lavish, excessive, self-indulged lifestyle. Oh, absolutely not. And I'm sick of it. I am sick of seeing these wolves, these charlatans, these counterfeiters and imposters rape, rob, and fleece God's people out of their hard-earned money. It's a shame. It's a shame and it is a scam, folks, and we must wake up. I don't care how many churches do this. It is false. They, they are lying on God by saying that God will bless you if, if you give him money. Nowhere in the Bible does God say that. Absolutely not. So Deuteronomy 4.1, because before we get into it, we are going to see through scripture who the, the law was given to. Deuteronomy 4.1, now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments, which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land, which the Lord, the God of your fathers is giving you. Amen. Lastly, Deuteronomy, because I can go on and on, okay? Deuteronomy 31, 26. Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may remain there as a witness against you. So, who was Moses talking to? Because you know he wasn't talking to the Gentiles because there was a wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. Do you really think? I mean, sometimes, right, Holy Spirit, sometimes it just takes a moment of common sense and study. Study the history of, of, of Israel and the nations, they had this animosity, this, this hatred with one another. So why would Moses, why would Moses be talking to the Gentiles about God's laws when God has chosen Israel as a chosen nation? And God had given them his, his laws. It just stands to reason Moses was not talking to the Gentiles. It is only because of the twisting of scriptures. It is, it is only because of false teachers and the false brethren with all of their Torah keeping that that throws this monkey wrench into the body of Christ, causing division, causing heresy, causing false doctrine to take place. So it's no wonder we are confused as to whether or not we got to keep the law of Moses and right Holy Spirit. 
truth be told, you would not even be thinking about the laws of Moses if it wasn't for the false doctrine of tithing. Because in order for them to indoctrinate you, they must go into the Old Testament and pull out anything about tithing and, and a blessing. And manipulate the understanding of that scripture. Cherry pick it left and right. And then beat you over the head with it. So let's let's get into the purpose of the law. Right? Because folks, if you want. Okay, because we must study this word to show ourselves approved. That's That's number one. Okay, when Jesus, before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he has given. Let's let's turn to Ephesians 4 because he gave gifts to men for a purpose. And we are going to see what this purpose is because that's the problem. That's, it's, it's just so many problems because you have these men and women Taking these gifts that Jesus gave to men as a title, put it in front of their names so that they can have this pseudo, excuse me, this pseudo authority over you that, that they know the scriptures more and that you, that you sit up under them. Okay. So now look. Ephesians 4, verse, let's go, mm, 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 verse 11, verse 11, and gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, which are, which are special messengers, representatives, some as prophets. Wait a minute. I'm not sure if I said apostles, but he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, because that's what the prophet is. Yep, that is what a prophet is. Some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation and some as pastors and teachers to to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this. And this is the reason why Jesus gave us these gifts as we call the fivefold ministry this is why he gave these gifts and he did not give them so that man can take these functions of administration as a title no the bible is about to tell us why jesus gave us these gifts He did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service, 
to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Why? Verse 14, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. And that's the Amplified. See, folks, that is why I can't say it enough. We must crack open up this Bible and stop being lazy and stop relying on some pastor whom, for the most part, Jesus did not send him. And I don't care how popular he is. I don't care how charming and charismatic and prolific they are because they all got a gift of gab on them. They are working for the other kingdom. Christ Jesus will never send a pastor to shepherd over you that will put you back up under any one of the 613 laws of Moses. The Bible just told us the reason why Jesus gave us these gifts. And that's what they are. At no time did he tell anybody to take these gifts as titles. We are to call one another brothers and sisters. Jesus says not to call anyone teacher, not to call anyone father. Why? Because we already have one and he sits in heaven. Folks, I get it because I too sat up under that damnable prosperity word of faith garbage for years believing and hoping and praying that every time I write my name on the back, I mean, I, I write my a prayer on the back of my check that God is going to bless me this week. It never happened. It never happened, folks. And you have to admit You two are still waiting. That is why we must wake up. Because if you want to be free from the false doctrine of tithing and sowing money seed, chew, eat, chew on it. Galatians chapters 2, 3, and 5. So we we are going to be looking at some scriptures today. So the purpose of the law, and then we are going to examine Malachi chapter three, because they love to twist that. So look, the purpose of the law, 
Galatians 3.24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. So question on the floor. Did, did Christ Jesus come to this world? Yes, he did. Okay. So the purpose of the law was fulfilled because it was pointing the way to Jesus. Well, he showed up. He, he showed up. He died. He was buried. And on a third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. According to the scriptures, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The work that he came to do, it was fulfilled. So the law, the purpose of the law was fulfilled because Jesus came. It says Galatians 3:24. So then the law, our guardian, uh, the law was our, <clears throat> excuse me, our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Amen. So in the place of the old Testament, we followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are to obey the law of Christ, not the law of Moses folks. We are to obey the law of Christ. So what is the law of Christ? Because we now follow that law and not the law of Moses. Christ nailed the whole law to the cross when he died for our sins. Amen. And real quick, let us read what the gospel is. Okay. Because you have a lot of, a lot of these false apostate churches preaching another gospel. According to first Corinthians 15, he died was buried and after three days rose out of the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit and ascended back up to heaven. After being witnessed by 500 people who saw Jesus in his, re in his resurrected body, folks, all we have to do is just read these scriptures. If you study 1 Corinthians chapter 15, let's say verses one through four, maybe five, you will know what the gospel is. Listen, let me turn the page of my notes here. So the law of Christ, we see in Mark 12, 28, don't take it to 33. Yeah, 28, to 33. Jesus was speaking and is telling us about how one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together. This is, this is verse 28 of Mark 12. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first 
of all the commandments is here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth for there is one God and there is none other but he and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. So we see that loving God and loving our neighbors is more than the whole law with all of its burnt offerings and sacrifices. Amen. Because these two commands are the core of the entire Old Testament law, folks. All of the Old Testament law can be placed in the category of loving God and loving your neighbor. The law of Christ then is to love God with all of our being and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves again, which is more important than all of those burnt offerings and sacrifices that Israel had to keep when they were under the 613 laws of Moses. Amen. Because New Testament scriptures state that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law, bringing it to completion and conclusion. Romans 10, 4, Galatians 3, verses 23 to 25, Ephesians 2, 15. Y'all need to study those scriptures. In place of the Old Testament law, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are to obey the law of Christ. And that's the problem. We don't know which law to, which law to obey. You are, you 21st century blood bought new covenant follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are to follow the law of Christ. When we recognize the value of Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf, our response is to is love, gratitude, and obedience. If we would truly and wholeheartedly obey those two commands, we would be fulfilling everything that God requires of us rather than trying to remember the, the over 600 individual commandments in the old Testament law. Nope. We are simply to focus on loving God and loving others. 
for the follower of Christ, the avoidance of sin is to be accomplished out of love for God and love for others, because love is to be our motivation. Amen. So let us look at Romans 10, 4, and then we are going to shoot over there to Malachi chapter 3. Okay. So we can get the understanding. Look, Romans 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, because this is Paul. My heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a certain enthusiasm for God, but not in accordance with correct and vital knowledge. Today, folks, I'm reading out of the Amplified because we need to get some full understanding and clarity on these very important scriptures today where the false doctrine of tithing is concerned. So Paul is saying that how he's praying for his, his, his fellow brethren, Israel, because currently God has Israel on a pause. Yeah, they are on a pause because they rejected Christ Jesus. And so if you study Romans chapter 9 and chapter 10 and chapter 11, we will see Paul coming from this broken, sorrowful spirit about the children of Israel and him wanting them to confess their sins and come to Christ Jesus by faith and not by the works of the law of which they could not keep. So right now there's a heartening. Is a heartening towards Israel because what is this Romans 11? Let's see. Can I put my hands on it real quick? Okay, well, yep. Let's see. Okay. Romans 11. Romans 11, because Israel is not cast away, right? I say this then, has God rejected and disowned his people? Certainly not. For I am too an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his chosen people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scriptures say of Elijah, how he pleased with God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars. And I alone am left of the prophets and they are seeking my life. But what is God's response to him? I have, I have kept my, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who are not bowed, who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So then at the present time, there has come to be a remnant a small believing minority, according to God's gracious choice. But if by grace, God's unmerited favor, it is no longer on the basis of works 
otherwise grace is no longer grace. It would not be a gift, but a reward for works. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. That is God's favor by obedience to the law. But the elect, the chosen few obtained it while the rest of them became hardened and callously indifferent. So we see there's a problem. Is a problem. Look, and if we come down to verse 8, right? Just as it is written in scripture, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Eyes that do not see and and ears that do not hear. A spiritual apathy that has continued to this very day. God, folks, God placed this hardening on Israel and David says let their table abundance become a snare and a trap a stumbling block and a retribution to them let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and make their backs bend under their burden forever amen so we see, we come back over here to Romans 10 because I'm laying this groundwork I'm laying down this foundation so when we go over to Malachi 3, you will see how they have been lying to us this whole time, saying to you that you are under God's curse if you don't tithe, but you are under God's curse because you are tithing. We are not commanded to to keep any law and tithing was one of the 613 laws of Moses. Don't, don't be confused by the words tithing and donation. Those are two different words. One is given freely under the old Testament and the other one is a required law under the old Testament. So we see Paul down here in verse, uh, three of Romans 10 for not knowing God, for not knowing about God's righteousness, which is based on faith and seeking to establish their own righteousness based on works. They did not submit to God's righteousness For Christ, verse four, for Christ is the end of the law and it leads to him and its purpose is fulfilled in him for granting righteousness to everyone who believes in him as savior. Amen. Again, folks, the scriptures cannot be any clearer. Christ fulfilled the law. We just saw over here in what? What is this? Galatians. Hold on. Yep. Galatians 3.24. That the purpose of the law was pointing to Christ. It It was pointing to him until he came. And he came. So no. Again, folks. The whole clap. <clears throat> excuse me, (laughs) the whole clarity 
of the situation is that the law was put in place. It was given to the children of Israel until Jesus came. Once Jesus came, because it's true, he did say that he didn't come to abolish the law. He didn't come to take it away. No, he came to fulfill it. And he did. So by him doing so, he brought the law to an end. It ended with his death, burial, and resurrection. We are now under the dispensation of grace. It is no longer by works alone. And again, it wasn't even given to us. So all of this explanation about whether or not we have to keep it is really moot because it wasn't given to us, but we need to get the teaching so that we are no longer confused, tossed and fro as immature children of God who are too lazy to study the word for ourselves. Folks, that is why Jesus says, let no man deceive you. The, the, the new Testament is all about exhorting us to not be deceived. Watch out for these wolves in sheep's clothing, learning about the dangers of false prophets. But if you don't take the time to read the scriptures, you will always be raped robbed, bamboozled, and fleeced right out of your money. It will shipwreck your faith because a lot of people are angry at God because they keep giving their money to their churches and nothing is coming back to them. So let's get into Malachi 3. Okay, because Malachi 3 is one of their pet scriptures they love to twist. And so they they never bring you bring you to chapter one because Malachi is a relatively uh, small book It's only four chapters It's only four and they only hone in on chapter three. Of course, because in chapter three talks about the windows of heaven being burst wide open. And so you will have all the financial blessings you can have for uh, folks. Let us understand Jesus denounced covetousness. That is why he told us, told us to not keep our eyes on earthly things. He told us to not store up earthly treasures, but for us to store up heavenly treasures. Why is it that Jesus was constantly telling us not to keep our eyes on this earth for a reason so that we don't be deceived and so that we don't serve the God mammon because Jesus told us you can't serve both God and mammon. No, absolutely not. And so these preachers, every time they tell you, oh, well, it's time to uh, submit your uh, types, they are putting you back up under God's curse because Paul was clear in the New Testament. You keep one 
of the 613 laws of Moses, you must keep them all in its entirety. So Malachi, come on, let's, let's come over here to Malachi and put this false doctrine to bed. So the whole purpose of the book of Malachi, it is judgment against the sins of the priests, because you have to understand God was not talking to the children of Israelites in the book of Malachi. He definitely was not talking to Gentile believers, which is us in the 21st century. Nope. He was talking to these corrupt priests who were profaning and despising his name, making a mockery of these sacrifices by bringing in these sick and lame and blind animals. And these, these priests were so arrogant. They didn't think they were doing anything wrong. And so God was sarcastically asking them these questions because he can't believe it. What you mean? You are not robbing me. And then he gives them the business. And then, and then he, he also gives them a challenge that if they repent and return back to him, well, then he will return back to them. And then he says, well, test me in this and see won't I pour you out a blessing. So out of all the, the, the scriptures, these wolves in sheep clothing can twist. Why are they pulling Malachi into the fray? You want to know why? Because it, it mentions key buzzwords like tithing, robbing, blessing. And so this is what they learn off in that damnable seminary schools. So listen, Malachi one, and we are going to read it straight through. Okay. So that we can get the context, the full biblical context. So Malachi one, chapter one, the Oracle, which is a burdensome message of the word of the Lord to Israel through my messenger, Malachi. Okay. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how and in what way have you loved us? Okay. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I loved Jacob, Israel, but in comparison with my love for Jacob, I have hated Esau, Edom, and I have made his mountains a wasteland and has given his inheritance to the jackals of the wilderness. Though impoverished, Edom says, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear it down and men will call them wicked 
and men will call the wicked territory the people against whom the Lord is indignant forever. Your own eyes will see this and you will say, the Lord is great and shall be magnified beyond the borders of Israel. Okay, so we see the word of the Lord going out to Israel through the messenger Malachi. Okay, because the issue on the floor in these verses is God's love for Jacob. Okay, and then we come down to the sins of the priests. And this is where God is now talking to the sinful, corrupt priests because they act, they were acting like they were not doing anything wrong. Okay, so let's see. Verse 6, Malachi 1 A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? Because see, God is too through with these priests because he's saying that a son honors his father, right? Talking about an, an earthly son honoring his father. So God is saying, well, then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is the reverent fear and respect due me, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests. So we see here, God is talking to the priest. And this is the context going forward. Who despise my name, but you say, how and in what way have we despised your name? Really? God is about to tell them because I'm telling you, these sinful priests were so arrogant and self-righteous and prideful that they honestly thought they were in the right. Verse seven. So, right. Because they wanted to know, well, how are we and, and in what way have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, how have we defiled you by thinking that the table of the Lord is contemptible and may be despised. That's how priest, okay? Because what they were robbing God of was his, um, the, um, unblemished sacrifice on the altar. They were bringing in these sick, lame, unhealthy animals to be sacrificed. That was a disgrace. You don't do that. You bring God the best because you see, that is what got Cain in trouble. So look, so when you priests present the blind animals for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer, 
offer such a thing as a blind or lame or sick animal to your governor as a gift or or as a payment for your taxes, would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you graciously, says the Lord of hosts? Uh-huh. But now, will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering from your hand as an imperfect animal for sacrifice? Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? The Lord is like, look, listen, how about y'all do this? How about y'all take them sick, lame, and blind animals down to your, your earthly governor and see if he will receive this graciously? Because you know he's not. But you have the audacity to come up in my temple to bring these sick and lame and blind animals and put them on my offer, I mean on on my altar and you and you expect favor from me? Yeah, see the the arrogance of it all? Yeah, the Lord is just too through. He he can't believe what he is witnessing. You have to be kidding me. So, verse 10. Oh, that there were given even one among you whose duty is to minister to me who would shut the gates so that you would not kindle fire on my altar uselessly with an empty, worthless pretense. This is the problem that God was having with these corrupt, sinful priests. They were in the temple doing the most against God. That is why he was bringing down the hammer on them. They, they were either blind, either they were indifferent, or they were just downright scoundrels. What are you doing? Okay. So look, it says, God is saying, I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations. Okay, because you are not going to come up in here despising my name by bringing all these sick, lame, and blind animals to be slaughtered on my holy altar. Nope, we ain't doing that. And that's my interpretation of what the Lord just said. <laughs> Amen. So look, in every place. Incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you priests profane it when you say the table of the Lord is defiled and and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say how tiresome this is. What? Do you see the foolishness? Not only are they 
despising the holy name of God by bringing in these sick, lame, disgusting animals to the altar, but they don't even want to do it. (laughs) They come in here not even wanting to do this whole ceremony. It says how they say how tiresome this is. And you disdainfully sniff at it. They're like, hmm, we don't even want to do this. I'm up here wasting my time. I don't even want to be here. But yet they they just doing this out of remote function. Okay, so look. So they turning their nose up at this whole process. And you bring what was taken by robbery and the lame or the sick animals. This you bring as an offering. God is like, this is what you bring in as an offering? Really? If you don't get this out of my face. Because see, we have to get the, the flavor of what is happening here so that you can understand that when we get over to Malachi 3.10, you will know this is not a blessing that God has been dealing with them since chapter 1. Amen. So the Lord, the Lord is like, should I receive it with pleasure from your hand? These what sick and lame animals, what you, you expect me to receive it graciously and then give you favor and a blessing. This is what you, this is what you actually think that I'm going to take pleasure from your hand. Really? Okay. Well, but cursed is the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows to offer it, but sacrifices to the Lord a blemish or diseased thing. For I am a great king. <laughs> listen to the heart of God. He is like, listen, y'all got good animals. You have a male in your flock that you vowed to offer, but oh no, no, what you sacrifice is a blemish and deceit and and disease thing. And then you really think that I'm going to accept this. Don't you know who I am? I am a great King. How dare you? How, how dare you have the audacity to come up in here with these disgusting, lame, and diseased animals to be slaughtered on my holy altar? And you really think, do you really think that I am going to accept this? If you don't get this out of my face, don't you know who I am? I am a great king. Amen. So, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be revered and greatly feared among the nations. Amen. So, these priests in chapter 2 are to be disciplined. Here we go. Now, O priests, this commandment is for you. See? See, folks, Lord, the Lord of hosts 
is making it abundantly clear who this commandment is for. It is for the priest. It wasn't for the children of Israel as a nation. It was not for the Gentiles, us. No, they would never have you go to chapter two. Mm-mm. No, because it doesn't fit their narrative to depart you from your money. So now, O oh priest, this commandment is for you. If you do not listen and if you do not take it to heart to honor my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings on the people. Indeed, I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. <sighs> Whoa. Behold, I am going to rebuke your seed and I will, and I will spread the refuse on your faces, the refuse from the festival offerings, and you will be taken away with it in disgrace. So show me again, false pastor, how Malachi is a blessing for the Gentiles, because right now it ain't looking like that at all. Then you will know without any doubt that I have sent this new commandment to you, priests, that my covenant may continue with Levi, the priestly tribe, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with Levi was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he and the priests feared me and stood in reverent awe of my name. Amen. True instruction was in Levi's mouth and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and he turned many from wickedness for the lips of the priest should guard and and preserve knowledge of my law. And the people should seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the messenger of, of the Lord of hosts. Look, God is telling the priest and as a whole, letting us know what the Levitical priesthood should be doing. Okay, they should be teaching the people the laws, um, the, the laws of the Lord. And they should be turning people from their wicked ways. But what are these priests doing? Okay, because the people are to seek instruction from the mouth of the priest. Because the priest is the Lord's messenger. But, oh, no, no. What are these priests doing? Well, we finna find out. But as for you, priests, you have turned from the way. And you have caused many to stumble by your instruction in the law. You have violated the covenant of Levi. That's the problem. These priests broke covenant. 
They broke the covenant of Levi because the covenant of Levi was one of life and peace. And God gave them to Levi as an object of reverence so that the priests fear the Lord and stand in reverent awe of his name. These corrupt priests here were not doing that. They broke the covenant. They broke covenant by not revering the name of the Lord. And how, and how were they doing that? By bringing in these defiled animals, these diseased animals to be placed on the altar of God in total disrespect. Thank you, Holy Spirit. They were disrespectful and they were not standing in reverent awe of God's holy name. That's why God says, I am a great king. You won't do this to your earthly governor, will you? So, so what in your right mind do you think that I will accept this hot mess? I ain't doing it. Okay, so we see in verse 9 of Malachi 2, So I have also made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality to people in your administration of the law. I'm telling you, these priests were corrupt. They showing favoritism. They, they keeping the, the choice animals that they vowed to bring to the altar for themselves and then being disrespectful of the name of the Lord, bringing in all these defiled and sick and disgusting animals. Don't you know who the Lord God is or, or have you not forgotten? So again, folks, this is the context of what we dealing with. So again, I beg the question out of all the scriptures, out of all the books in the Bible, why are they pulling Malachi as a blessing, as a financial blessing? When so far verses, uh, chapters one and two, God has given these corrupt, sinful priests, the business. Okay. So look, sin in the family. Verse 10. Chapter 2, Malachi, do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another, profaning, profaning the covenant of our fathers with God? Judah has been treacherous, disloyal, and 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 repulsive act has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. As for the man who does, as for the man who does this, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob to the last man, to the last man, those who do this evil thing awake and aware, even the one who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. This is another thing you do. <laughs> Look, the Lord is giving them a laundry list. He's like, 
you have done this. And this is also what you're doing. Cause since we talking about it, <laughs> since we talking about it, this is another thing you do. Verse 13, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with your own weeping and sighing because the Lord no longer regards your offering or accept it with favor from your hand. But you say, why, why does he reject it? Hmm. Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your, your marriage companion and the wife of your covenant made by your vows, but not one has done so who has a remnant of the spirit. And what did that one do while seeking a godly offering? Take heed then to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth for I hate divorce. You see all this sin that these priests are involved in. God hates divorce. They apparently have been dealing treacherously against their wives, says the Lord the God of Israel and him who covers his garment with wrong and violence says the Lord. These priests look at what they are doing is a mess. Look verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say in what way have we wearied him? In that you say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. That's how. (laughs) That's how you are wearing him out. By saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. (laughs) These people, I'm telling you, they are deceived. Greatly deceived. They say everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and that God delights in them. Think so? Do you really think so? Okay. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Here we go. Chapter three. I may have to do a part two because there is much we're going to tackle in chapter three. So I'm going to put a pin pause here. Make sure y'all come back for part two. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.